My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Britt here today. I have an incredibly exciting guest coming on the show. The guest I'm bringing on, Mark Drager. He's a father of four, husband to his high school sweetheart, Jacqueline. He's an entrepreneur, a positioning expert, and podcaster. He's also the founder of Agency Phantom Media. Welcome to the show, Mark. How's it going? Thanks so much for taking the time out of your day. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, to everyone who's listening, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm so excited to be here. He, he's so excited, you guys, and as am I. <laughs> Mark, thanks so much for... Hey, and you guys, one more thing. We're both from Canada, so it's kind of cool yeah. we have a conversation about that. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about our Tim Hortons and, you know, and mm-hmm. the hockey and all of that stuff, don't you know? <laughs> Yeah. Hey, (laughs) Mark, thank you so much for coming on. This is going to be so great. So before we really dive into any of our hot topics, we have some really good ones we're going to cover. Can we go take us back a little bit further to the beginning, maybe of your journey as to how you got to where you are today? I mean, as of today, you've won over 30 industry awards alongside your team and you've accomplished so many things. Now, if you don't mind kind of telling us a bit about what the journey was like getting to where you are today, I think that would be a good place to start. For sure. So I started my agency back in 2006. And so uh, whenever people say like, hey, you know, how did you start? For any of us who, who've been doing something for a long time, we're like, gosh, where do you pick up the story? Uh, <laughs> but to make a very, very long story, uh, much uh, longer? <laughs> no, shorter. Um, so in high school, I wanted to be an architect and an engineer. And that's because I came from a family of builders. You know, my grandfather moved to Canada from Germany as, as a refugee, as an immigrant in 1950. Him and three of his cousins uh, were bricklayers. And they saw the opportunity because they were working on this custom home in like 1951 or 52. And there's old photos of them in black and white with their with their dress shirts on and their slacks, you know, and their hats, like, like the old timey kind of people. And, uh, the people who were building the home, uh, were terrible at it. And the, the, the guy, the doctor or whatever was having the home built was like, Oh, these people aren't doing a good job. And my, my grandfather and his cousins went like, we can build this house for you. They had no experience building houses. They're like, we can build this house for you. And they built the house. They did a great job. They cared. Then a second house came along and a third house came along. Well, you know, I'm, I'm now 40. And so I'm born in the 80s. So by the time I come along, my grandfather's company has been going for, for decades and decades and decades. And, and they're developers, they're builders, they're, they're, they build apartments and condos and plazas and homes. And so I grew up in this family of a very old school, traditional European, we can do anything. We can build mm-hmm. anything. We can do anything. It takes hard work. It takes vision. It takes help. It takes skills, but you can do anything. And that was instilled to my mom. And my mom taught that to me. And so when I wanted to be an architect and an engineer, everyone in my family was like, this is great. 
And then I got really scared in high school because uh, for the first time ever, things weren't coming easy to me. I didn't know how to study. I was getting bad grades, even though I was always amazing at stuff. And I got really scared. And so I went to film school instead. And, yeah. and now, you know, looking back, it wasn't a mistake, but I realized that I went, I went to film because it seemed more fun and it seemed easier. And I felt like I wouldn't fail or, or have to invest so much time into it. Went to film school. Uh, graduated, worked in television, gradu graduated from that, worked in a, an internet marketing franchise for a year and a half, making videos for them. And, and now I have like all of that family experience of being a builder and wanting to build stuff and have your own thing and do your own thing and do better projects. Um, I wasn't capable of doing really, of really good stuff. You know, anyone who's creative, Anyone who's built a company or an agency, you know what I'm talking about, that feeling of like, you know what good is and you want to do something better than, than you can even do yourself. Like you just can't do it alone uh, or it's above your skill set and you always feel like you're falling short. And that is why I wanted to build an agency. That is why I wanted to build a company because I wanted to be able to deliver better work than I was capable of, that, that I could do alone. And I had really high standards. And so in 2006, 23 years old, my wife isn't working. My first daughter, who's now 16, uh, was a week old. I decide I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to start this company and I'm going to make a lot of money. And it didn't quite go that way. <laughs> You're not alone. I'm just... <laughs> so it didn't go, it didn't go quite that way. Tell us more. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't know if you remember, but the recession hit in 2008. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to start this company and I do what a lot of people do, which is I went to film school. I have a job as a video producer or a videographer making videos. Uh, I'm going to start a video company, right? It makes sense. I was trained this way. If you're, if you're an accountant, right, you're an accountant, you're trained as an accountant. What are you going to start? An accounting agency, right? Or a firm, right? right? If you're a lawyer, you're going to start a lawyer thing. If you're a marketer, you're going to start a marketing agency. Like, Whatever you do and they're trained at is what you're going to start. So I launch right. and I go, I make videos. What I didn't realize at the time is I didn't know how to sell it. I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't know how to, I didn't know who I was targeting. I didn't know anything. And so I start my company and I'm like, Hey guys, I make videos. You need a video. Who needs a video? Anyone want a video? I, I, I got videos <laughs> for you. You know, like, you know, like that old timey, like get your, get your videos here. y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't realize that nobody understood what I was talking about because the people who, who the people at companies or firms or, or, or marketing departments who are like, we need a video. They weren't looking at me. Like I was too small. I wasn't good enough. Like they were going to go to a big agency or an existing player and anyone who would work with little old me, they weren't thinking I need a video. And right. it took me about a year and a half to realize that, that like, one, I need to get better to be good enough for the people who are looking for my services. And two, for the people who don't even know that they need me, I need to do a better job of explaining how I can help them grow their business or recruit better or train better or do whatever it was that video as a tool could do. And that, that, that like realizing like, oh, I need to show up and look a certain way for the people who want my service or I need to do a better job of explaining to the people who don't even know that they need my services, why my services would help them. That figuring that out was the thing that 
not only allowed us to go from like almost bankruptcy and doing bad work to a million dollars as an agency, it's also what took us to 2 million. It's what took us to doing national commercial campaigns with our national pension plan and with Sunwing and with the Toronto Raptors and with, you know, essentially 3,400 projects, uh, $13 million of work we've done for people, um, 300 plus clients. Like it's what allowed us over, over the years to build our agency. And what's most interesting to me today, because COVID destroyed our agency, but what we're doing today is that very same thing for other people. We are helping them figure out how they need to look to show up and sell to people who are looking for their services, but maybe they're not showing up right. Or for the people who don't even know that they need you, we are helping you figure out how to show up saying what you need to say to sell to those people. It's the lesson I learned kind of a year and a half in. It's, it's what allowed us to grow our entire agency and the success of our entire business. And today, it's what I have the most fun helping other entrepreneurs and coaches and consultants figure out for themselves. Mark, thank you. You literally told us exactly how you got to where you are today and kind of where you're at today in the business, which is incredible and in what you do. Mark, from there, let's dive into the secret sauce, <laughs> the secret success, uh, secret way successful people grow their network. Um, let's tap into that. And then I have all these questions coming to my mind. So we'll get to them next. We'll start one at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I love this. So, so this is all the stuff that I have the most fun with. And, you know, you can, there's all kinds of different strategies and all kinds of different tactics, but I just, I just want to take a moment though, and help us all understand that there's a difference between a tactic, which is like, Hey, going to an event or launching an email campaign, or starting a podcast, or doing social media, or starting YouTube, or blogging, or an advertising campaign, right? Like those, those are all great, but those are tactics. And then there's strategies, right? The strategies are, how can we get this person to do this? And what are we going to do? And where are we going to go? And all of that stuff. And that's cool too. But what most mm -hmm. people don't realize is they get so focused on tactic, 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 tactic. They have no strategy. But on top of that, even before strategy, there's actually a step we need to do which is asking ourselves, what do we want? What right. do we want? And so, yes, successful people go into every room and every situation understanding what it is that they want to do. Why are they, they're intentional. Why are we investing the money? Why are we investing the time? Why am I here? What am I doing? And they get really specific. So once you get super specific to grow your network to, to what, whatever it might be, once you get super specific on what you want, and maybe it's like, I want to double my business. Okay, let's get really specific. It's actually like, I want to grow sales and I want to grow sales through whom and I want to grow sales why and how and all of those things. But if it's your network, maybe it's like, you know what, I want to get into, you, you, off camera, you talked about Tony Robbins and what a big fan you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I went to a Tony Robbins event. Uh, I had the privilege, my friend Evan Carmichael brought me to Tony Robbins and, and I got to sit in the front row. But what's cool about being in the front row in this private section is I was sitting with like uh, Olympic snowboarders from the USA team, gold medalists. I was sitting with actors on Netflix specials. I was sitting with people who were like, you know, Tony Robbins's son's godfather, like weird people. And that's cool. But then on top of that, we were in a special section where you have to be part of Tony Robbins' elite VIP 
like people to get into the green room. And so I'm sitting on the third morning and I'm just a dude who got invited for free. Uh, I'm just a guy from Toronto. I have no business being there, but I'm sitting in the green room, sipping coffee with people where each of them spent a quarter of a million dollars to be in that room. And because I was in that room, they assumed that I had spent a quarter of a million dollars to be in that room. And because I was in that room, they assumed that I think like them, that I work like them, and that I, I do things at their level. And I didn't go in, I didn't go in, oh, woe is me, oh, little old me intimidated. I just had fun. I just talked to them like regular people. But here's the thing. I, I was in the room. And so when you're growing your network, and I'm talking about being intentional, what do you want? And how do successful people grow their network? They are very intentional about what do I need to do to get into the room? What do I need to do to get connected? What do I need to do to, to have bigger people invited onto my podcast? What do I need to do to level up my skill set so I can, I, can, I can be on par with these people or even suppress my imposter syndrome or take care of my doubt and fears? Like, just what do I need to do? And once you get really clear on those things, which is what do you want and who do you want to connect with? What do they care about? And, and who do you need to be? It's not, it's not really hard, but it's uncomfortable and it takes some work, but you can actually create that version of you. You know, the version of me that's showing up to talk today and speak the way that I'm speaking. And I think that I'm pretty articulate while I talk. It's coming on the seven years or eight years of podcasting I've done. It's coming on the back of the thousands of interviews I've had with people. It's coming on the fact that I've spent a full year on other people's podcasts practicing. But when then I get into a network or I get into a room, you know, if you go to my website, if you watch my podcast, if you look at my agency, you look at all the practice I've done speaking, I'm going to show up a certain way. And, and that can be created. Incredible, Mark. Thank you for sharing that. That's huge. Now, you, you mentioned, you know, even being at Tony Robbins um, Summit or, you know, while he was on stage or whatever exactly it was that you didn't, you know, you didn't cower away and stuff. You just were yourself and you had fun with it, right? Even though you, you got there for free, which that is amazing, by the way. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> where's where's my free ticket I know this is exciting though I I love that I love that um but anyways I was gonna ask you like you yourself to up, up until today's date have interviewed thousands of people over like I mentioned probably two decades now over almost two decades so what have you learned along the way that created breakthrough moments never heard before talks and unignorable brand content when you work with people. Um, yeah, I'm interested in finding out along the way, how did you get to a place to understand that secret formula and now exactly how you go about um, executing it? Yeah, what a great question. Thank you. Um, so so a few things, and, and I'm constantly learning and I'm still a student, but okay, so so if you want to get better at, at interviewing people, one, I go into each interview trying to, trying to understand as much of people's backstories as possible uh, and make sure it's fresh in my mind. So that way I'm not wasting time in the interview exploring areas. 
So mm-hmm. if you show up and don't know anything about the person, you have to spend time during the interview asking all the kind of beginner questions just to try and figure out what the threat is or what they're about or where they've been. And that's great because maybe you're going to be surprised. Maybe you're going to love finding things out and that's cool, but you waste a lot of time. So right. I want to know, I want to know as much about people so I can go like, I can go like, oh, you're, you're, you're from Oregon and you were in this class and, or even in a conversation later, I can be like, and this was in um, 1992, was it? And it's just like these little things let the people know. It's like, oh, this person, like the fact that you know that I'm a, uh, that I'm a husband uh, to, to Jacqueline and that I'm a father of four mm-hmm. and that like all these things go like, oh, okay, cool. You know about me. We can skip that. So right. first, do, do, do your research and, and respect the person and know about them. That's first. Second, um, you want to ask, uh, ask opening questions and then basically take the conversation wherever they go. So I typically have uh, two or three themes that I'm hoping to hit, and I have like four or five, six points. And then again, I've, rem- I've learned about them, so I have a whole bunch of stories in the back of my head. And then wherever they take the conversation, I can literally go to like, oh, they've just hit theme three. I wasn't planning on that. I was going, planning on going through theme one, two, and then three, but they just hit th- theme three, so let me go ahead and just take it there. And then if theme three doesn't make sense without theme two, I can say, after they take it there, I can say, hold on, this is really great, but let me just take a step back and let's go here. And so just being able to bob and weave, you know, you have your few themes you want to hit, they take it wherever they want. You have your lessons or stories that you can remind them of, you know, oh, you're talking about this. Was that in um, 2007 when this happened? And even if you get it wrong, they're like, oh, wow, no, actually, and they just correct it. So you don't have to get upset about getting the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing and don't let that bother you and take it wherever you want. And then the third thing, which takes the most courage is everyone is too nice. Everyone is too polite. Everyone is worried about offending the person across from them. Everyone wants, you know, like they don't want to be seen as the gotcha person. And so we're afraid to ask questions that we really, that's on everyone's mind. And here's a perfect example. I had this amazing guy on, uh, called Satima uh, Nali. And uh, he's Samoan. Uh, he's an ex-football player. He played with the Patriots. He won, uh, he won a Super Bowl with the Patriots, and he's a great coach. And I, I, I've been following Satima for a very long time. I wanted to talk to him. He's an amazing man. But when he came on the podcast, our video podcast, We Do Hard Things, I noticed that, that it looked to me like he has been modeling himself after The Rock. You know, the rock is Samoan uh, and a big guy. Mm-hmm, Satima is mm-hmm. a big guy and Samoan, but Satima showed up with the goatee with the, sh- with the shaved head. And it seems to me that he may be, be kind of modeling himself to look like the rock. Now we had a great conversation for an hour. And in the back of my head, the entire time I'm thinking, what is up Satima looking like the rock. <laughs> and I did not have the courage to ask him. And I yeah. just didn't do it. Now I send the footage to my team and the team's like, what's up with him looking like the rock? I'm like, I know I didn't have the courage to say it. While we release the podcast, what do you think the number one comments are? The comments are, are like, oh why does goodness. this guy look like The Rock? You yeah. know, like, oh, he totally looks like The Rock. Like the very thing I was thinking, the very thing my team was thinking, the very thing everyone's thinking, the elephant in the room. And so I missed a, a really great respe- opportunity to respect him to literally, it's not disrespectful because now everybody's talking about it. Right. I, I should have literally had the courage to say, Satima, man, I love everything you're saying, but Dude, you, you look like The Rock. Is this intentional? It's got to be intentional. What's up with it? And give him the opportunity to explain himself. We had someone on who is really into network marketing. 
Uh, I apologize for any listener who's in network marketing, but I don't come from a network marketing world. And so I have always looked at it as frankly, like there's a lot of scams, it seems, or there's a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I know there's good people and bad people, but I had someone on. And so I had to have the courage to say, listen, like, thank you so much. I'm glad that you spent the last 15 years doing this and you've helped hundreds of thousands of people and you've made a lot of money for them. But I think network marketing is a giant scam. And I'm sorry, I think it is a scam. Explain to me why it's not a scam. And you know what? She took the, she, she gave me the best answer ever, um, which is it's just a different business model it's not for everyone, but it helps some people. And if you have the right business and you're, and you're doing the right things and you have the right goals and you have the right intentions, it works. There's a lot of rotten apples out there. Okay, I can respect that. Next question then becomes, how do we know what's a rotten apple? How do we assess what's good or bad? But all great. of the rest of the conversation only came from me having the courage to ask them what everyone is thinking, but everyone is too afraid to ask. I was just going to say, I was like, you know, thank goodness you asked that question because everyone else, a, a good portion of people listening are thinking, wondering the same thing or might have the same thoughts around network marketing. Yeah. That's incredible, Mark. I love it. And hey, you're really good at reading the room. How did you get really, really good at reading the environment you're in, reading the room, even maybe across the screen? Tell me a little bit about that, because that's one thing that another thing that really stood out to me while doing my research is that you're very good at reading the room. Well, thank you. I mean, that's a that's a huge compliment. Um, so part of it is. Uh, um, I don't know if I have like Asperger's or something, but but like <laughs> I have to like work really hard not to intimidate people because I don't realize I'm intimidating them to not offend people because I say things without really thinking. And so maybe it's just a muscle I've trained, um, but I grew up in a family where I was kind of always on edge, um, mm -hmm. pressure cooker, a lot of stress, um, really a pretty traumatic upbringing. And anyone who's grown up, I've heard Ed Milet, I was at his book launch, um, and he told a great story about the fact that his father, when, he, when his father was an alcoholic, who later he recovered from it, but that he remembers, Ed Milet remembers being a five-year-old boy and listening to the way his dad's keys would enter into the door when he came home from work, because if they slid in smoothly, he knew his dad was sober and it would be one kind of night. And if the, if the keys didn't quite go in the first time and kind of rattled a bit, he knew his dad was drunk and it was going to be a different kind of night at home. And he got so good at reading the room and reading the situation. And so there is something, I think, for people who, uh, who have grown up in those types of households where it actually, we develop this superpower of just being able to understand, like, and it's, it's uncomfortable, but being able to walk on eggshells, walk on our tippy toes, make sure we're not offending people, give people what they want, show up, kind of near and match and adjust who we need to be. Now, from a reading the room from an audience point of view, I, I frankly am there to serve the audience first. And I'm there to serve um, my, this is going to sound bad. I'm there to serve the audience first. I'm there to serve my story and my purpose second. And then I'm there to serve the guest third. And the reason for that is because uh, back in film school, back in English, in creative writing and all of these things, there's this, there's this breakdown of like, who is the story for? And the, 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 if you're writing a song, or if you're writing poetry, or if you're making content, it's yours 
until you release it to the audience in the world. And then it's no longer yours. It's now the world. It's now the audience. Right. Everyone puts into it what they want to. It's the reason why artists struggle when so many people go like, oh, your music, your music touched me at this point in my life when this was happening. Oh. And they're like, oh my goodness, I didn't even, you know, it's, it's a song about like getting ice cream. It's not a song about, um, yeah. you know, the death of someone's mother because of cancer. And yet the person poured into it. So so mm-hmm. I understand this. And so I think a lot of us get it wrong because we want, we want to so respect our guest or the, the, the panel or the keynote, but, but they are props. I am, I am your prop in this interview. And my job, your, well, really your job is to first serve your audience. It's to, it's to second, get out of me whatever I need to give you to shape the story for your audience that you want to shape because that's going to work for them in the long term. And if you do that, you're actually giving me a gift because you are allowing me to show up saying the right things to the right people in the right way at the right time. And in fact, that actually makes me look better. And so that's ultimately what I'm doing. If I'm in a live environment, a live stage, a live event, um, I am constantly on edge feeling like, oh, we should really speed up. Oh, this is getting boring. Oh, we're losing the audience. Should we go to a question? Should we do a reset? Like, I'm just like, I love the live stuff because I'm just constantly Mm -hmm. thinking nonstop. What can we do to make this better? Do we need a laugh? Do we need a joke? What are they saying? Where am I going to take this next? But that's to serve the audience and then serve my arc or my story. And then finally, if I do both of those things well, my guest will uh, come out of it looking amazing. This is great. Mark, would you say that anxiety and fear possibly were a big um, trigger as to wanting to, I mean, okay, how do I word this better? Guys, I totally screwed that up. (laughs) But my question is- (laughs) Leave it in, leave it in, leave it in. (laughs) I'm honest on this show, okay. So my question is, was the anxiety and fear and feeling possibly never good enough, is that what led you to that ultimate purpose to- your, your future as of now, like, was that the, the push, the motivation that you got as, um, growing up with a, a stepfather that was an alcoholic, you know, you're always on walking on eggshells. Maybe, I don't know how ex- exactly it was, but that's what it sounds like. Um, was that your motivation to like, show, like show up for yourself and really start to believe in yourself and, take it from there to your purpose or tell us about that. So when I started my agency, it, it, it was mostly just like, I want to do my own thing and make money and make better work. And then once we started to figure things out and again, it took us two or three years. And I say us, it was like me, I'm almost bankrupt, mm-hmm. but then it became like, I want better people. Like I, I want to make big promises for, for people because I want to solve their problem. I want, I want you to trust me. I want you to pick me. I want you to believe in us. I want you to realize how loyal we are. I, wanna, I want you to love us. I want, you to, I want us to blow you away. And I want to do the very best work we can. Now, everything I just described comes down to my number one, my number one motiv- motivator has always been recognition. It's just like I just desperately needed people to recognize that I'm, that I'm a hard worker, that I'm smart, that I'm capable, that we can like all of that stuff was what drove me. Um, and that's cool to a point, like in your 20s, that works. And in your 30s, that kind of works. 
but it puts you on, um, on the success hamster wheel that we all fall into, you know, when is enough money, enough money, money wasn't really my motivator, but when is enough money, enough money, when is enough material things, enough material things, when is enough recognition, enough recognition. And it's the same unhealthy driver that I had. And so I wanted more and more and more, which meant bigger projects, bigger clients, bigger team, bigger everything. And I didn't really understand how much more complex everything becomes. More services means more team. More team means harder communications, more systems, more processes, more, more things like that. I'm not good at any of that stuff. I'm good at dreaming it. I'm not good at building it. Um, I, you know, it's just, it's just not me. And it took me a long time to realize that. So when, when the whole, like I've, you know, I wake up every day with the feeling like I still, I still will never hit my high hopes that I will still not achieve it. Um, I actually have to rework that messaging today because over the last two or three months, I've actually turned the corner on that. But I realized that from when I started my agency in 2006 to essentially, I had a bit of a breakdown in 2018. Uh, I got really depressed. This is why I went to Tony Robbins with my friend, Evan Carmichael. I got really depressed. I fell out of love with the business. I felt trapped. I, I didn't want to show up. I didn't want to do anything else. And it was just, I was burnt out for a few years, but that was 2018. 2020 hit, forced us to restructure. 2022, we figured out what we're doing. 2023, we're rolling it out. Like that's five years. That's, mm-hmm. that's a long time of working on this and figuring it out. What do I want? What don't I want? And, and can I do it again? And you know, what did I love about the old business? And what do I never want to do again? And who do I want to help? And all of those things that frankly, when I started, I didn't know I should be asking. Those are questions I should have been asking that I didn't even know to ask. And so part of what I love about what we do today is we help uh, the coaches and the consultants and our entrepreneurs who work in B2B or service-based businesses, we help them shortcut all that stuff because it took me three years to figure it out the first time. Then I built a company, a multi-million dollar company that frankly, I realized I didn't even want. And then it took me five years to try things, cut things, burn it to the ground, figure out what I actually want, and then rebuild it. I want to save people. <laughs> I, I, want, I, I know I can, but I want to save people from that. But, but where I'm going is like today, I actually, you know, I've, I've, I've done a lot of work and I go, you know what? I'm no longer simply chasing recognition. And I don't, know, I don't know what steps it took me to get there, but I'm no longer just simply chasing recognition. Um, I no longer need to be the smartest person in the room all the time. Um, I'm, I'm learning to trust people more. And when I look at what we're building today, what we're rebuilding, I should say, the, the agency that we have that, that was huge, that I had to struggle with making much smaller. And now I, have, I had to ask myself, do I have what it takes to rebuild? And I know I do. When you spend more time looking back at, at the things you loved and the things you were great at and the wins you've had along the way, you know, it's easy for me right now to say 3,400 projects, 300 plus clients, $13 million in work, blah, 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 blah. Like I can, 32 industry awards. And I can say all those things today because I've memorized it. But six months ago, I didn't even, I didn't even think to jot it down. Right. I, I, wasn't, I was so busy looking forward at what I want to build and looking back at what I lost 
I didn't realize all of the amazing things we've done that we could use going forward. And so to bring this all back to where I started, I wanted to be an architect and an engineer. I got too scared and I went to film school. I was on a call yesterday with someone, helping them figure out their brand strategy. So their offer, their advantage, their positioning. And this person I'm on the call with, Christian, goes, Mark, you're like, um, you're like a business engineer. And I go, really? And he goes, yeah, it's like, it's like you're like architecting our brand. And I'm like, ah, the thing I love, the thing I wanted, every single experience all along the way over the last few decades, every single one of them has served me. And if I just recognize it, if you just recognize it, everything you have ever done is not wasted. It will serve you in the future if you are going all in on your superpower, if you recognize it is helping you and you spend less time looking back at what you've lost or don't have and spend more time looking at what you could build based off of what you've done. This is great. Mark, incredible. Now, I know we're getting close to the end of the episode, but I did want to check in and see how, tell us a little bit about your intentions behind your show. We do hard things with Mark Draker. Um, What were the (laughs) intentions when you started and where is it at today? Yeah. So we do hard things is the YouTube show for creative entrepreneurs. And what we really want to do is help encourage people to bet on themselves. And we've arrived kind of at that language now because it's like, is it for entrepreneurs or for creatives or, you know, what size and all of this stuff. And you guys do a great job of saying like, here's who we help and how we help. But mm-hmm. um, when I started, uh, it was during COVID. It's my third podcast. I've been podcasting for seven or eight years now, but it's my third podcast. And really, I was so scared and, and uncertain and nervous and full of doubt and I felt soft and I felt weak and I wanted confidence. So it originally started with, I just want to talk to people who have done some of the craziest, most badass things, right? I, I talked it. earlier about being in the room. Like I wanted to be in the room with Tony Robbins, VIP guests. I want to, I want to have conversations with people who not only inspire me, but, but that I can ask deeper questions for. How did you do that? What were you thinking? Weren't you scared? You know, I had James Altucher on really early on the podcast. People may know him or not know him. He's an author. But I, like James Altucher in the 90s left HBO as a junior person to start a software company. And he sold it like at two years later for like $25 million. And this is in the 90s. So that's like a lot of money today because of inflation. Right. And guess what? 14 months later, he was bankrupt. And I went, I went, weren't you upset? And and he's like, of course I was upset. Like, and I was like, oh, and then he's, guess what? He started two years later, an investment bank. And he built it up to like a multi hundreds of millions of dollars thing. So this is what I'm, this is to me, what hard things is about. It's realizing that like, oh, everyone is figuring this out for the first time. Oh, everyone has had huge, huge highs and huge, huge lows. Oh, yeah. You can come back from bankruptcy. You can come back from divorce. You can come back from uh, the loss of a loved one. You can, like, as long as you don't stop and you just keep going, oh, it is going to take time. Oh, it is going to take courage. It is going to take hard work. And so that's what, that's what we do today. We just, we spend time with the people who have done some of the most ridiculously cool things. Um, I love connecting with creatives. Um, you know, we had Tina Gow on who, is a celloist. 
who who was trained to be like a professional celloist in the symphony, but she hated that. She, she, she snuck Marilyn Manson music into her house because her parents wouldn't let her listen to it. And she loved hard rock and, and like, you know, Marilyn Manson and Rage Against the Machine and all this stuff in the nineties that she decided she wanted right. to be a metal, a hard metal celloist, which didn't exist. And her parents kept wanting her to go into the symphony. And she said, screw that. And she, you know, moved to Hollywood, uh, lived in a garage, had no money, and made all of her own videos. And guess who sees one of her videos? Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmerman, the, uh, the, the guy who does all of the Hollywood movies. And within the same week, she gets a call from him to come and audition to do the recordings for, um, I don't know if it was Jurassic Park or something. And Cirque du Soleil was doing a tour and wanted to do a live cello thing in the tour. And so she now goes from broke living in a garage doing what she wants to do to going like... Should I go and start recording like the Superman soundtrack and uh, and Wonder Woman soundtrack and Jurassic Park? And since and over the last 10 years now, she's worked on like all of these huge movies and she's won a Grammy. Should I, should I do that or should I go get this other opportunity with Cirque du Soleil? But it, but it only <laughs> came from it only came from her commitment to being like, this is what I want to do. And I love those conversations. Yeah, like she got clear despite what anyone else thought as to what the heck she wanted to do and what she loves doing. And that's huge. So thank you for sharing that because that is big. Like sometimes we're in all these different directions and we're pulled all over the place and we don't, sometimes we lose focus of what we really want, you know? And I think that's, like you said, the number one priority is see what you want to do and find your purpose, you know? Full send, full send, go Go all in in on it. (laughs) Go all in. So this is great, Mark. This is incredible. So what is your next focus for the next six to 12 months from now? I mean, I'm sure you've got all kinds of things on the go right now. You guys are crazy busy. What is your biggest desire within the business? uh, Yeah. I mean, my number one focus right now is we're we're actually going through a rebrand ourselves, um, which is just the most fun, invigorating thing ever. Because, you know, I've, I've had my agency Phantom Media for 16 years now and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I never thought to, to, to change it or to rebrand, like it's constantly changing to the market, but never thought to rebrand. And I realized that, um, and it was suggested to me like, Mark, you know, like you can do something new, even if it's the same. And there's something so exciting about building something fresh and new. And so right now, uh, my number one focus is frankly helping uh, coaches and consultants and entrepreneurs for B2B or service-based businesses figure out your badass advantage and how to develop an offer. So if people are struggling to move from word of mouth or referrals or kind of organic business growth, and they want to, remember I said all those tactics, tactic, 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 mm-hmm. tactic, mm-hmm. people jump into tactics and they don't work. Super expensive, waste lots of money, waste lots of time. They don't know what they're doing. It's because all those tactics are amplification, but it's amplification of what? Your core offer, your core messaging, understanding your badass advantage uh, so you can go all in on it, understanding your path to the VIP customers so you know who they are, where they are, and how to get in front of them, doing a ridiculous amount of intel so you know what they care about, those VIP customers, so we can shape our messaging around them, doing competitive analysis so you understand what your competition is or is not doing so you can stand out and be different, and then bringing all those things together to develop a badass advantage and offer. It's a six week done for you program that we, that we work people through. I 
work with you one-on-one. You are working with me and my team supports us. That's, that's what we've got lined up for the next uh, few months. <laughs> well, Mark, that is super exciting. And we need someone out there that is able to work with us in those areas, right? And especially you, you probably can help them figure out Okay, what is my why? Why haven't I even thought of my why? What do I want? You know, because I'm sure there's people who don't even consider what they want. They just know that, okay, we want the money, but why? You know, so and, you probably I, are able to there. dig deeper. I, mm-hmm. It took me, it took me a few years to figure this out the first time with Fanta. It took me, you know, I said in 2020, we, we tore the agency to the ground because COVID forced right. us to. Uh, it took us a year or two to figure it out the second time and to get clear on it. And, and, Looking back, I realized, oh, we've done this thousands of times already. It's the same system. It's the same process. I didn't even realize I was using it for absolutely everything we did for clients. I used the same process to write the speech at my brother's wedding, and I didn't even realize that I was doing that. And so It comes naturally. Um, it, yeah, it works. And so now this is what we have the most fun uh, helping people with. Amazing. Mark, you know, thank you so much for coming on my show today and adding so much value and opening up and being vulnerable, talking about your story and the challenges in between as well, because, you know, a lot of the time we just see the success side of things. And I really like to see, you know, the in-between, you know, what was the challenges and where did that lead, lead you today? So Mark, I appreciate you coming on my show. It's been absolutely amazing. And if anyone's looking to connect with you, what would be the best way to go ahead and reach out? The best thing is head over to Instagram and drop me a DM. My handle is at mark.drager. That's D-R-A-G-E-R. Drop me a DM. It's me. There's no automated system or anything like that. Or if you want to check out We Do Hard Things, the YouTube show for creative entrepreneurs, uh, you can head over to my YouTube channel and there's over a hundred episodes with some of the craziest people. (laughs) There are, you guys. Check it out. It's amazing. Yeah. I loved it. (laughs) Mark, thank you so much for today. This has been so much fun. And I cannot wait to see where you go after you rebuild everything. This is super exciting. I'll have to get you back onto the show. Anytime, Britt. Thank you. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur or higher and want to come on just like Mark Drager did today to talk about your story, talk about the wins and the challenges, Um, talk about the business and podcast, please go to top100interview.com. I'd love to have you on as well. Thanks, Mark. Bye, guys. Catch you on the next episode. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. 
All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.